0: Today we are talking about covenant keeping. Covenant keeping is relationship goal. Today is covenant keeping. I, I want to do something today, though. I want to give honor where honor is due before we jump into this. And, t- and we're talking about covenant and how to have a marriage that lasts and how to have relationships that last for the long haul. If you've been married for five years or longer, I want you to raise your hand. Just keep your hand up. We're going to be five years or longer. Okay, raise your hand. All right, 10 years or longer. <clears throat> 15 years or longer, 20, 25, 30, 35. 35 this year for PBMs Tracy, come on somebody, nice. We still got hands, Uh, 40, still got hands? Got a hand here, we got a hand here. 45, still got a hand, How, how many years? How many? 47 years. Back here. How long, y'all? 51. 51 years! So I know last year I did this, and uh, last year we treated y'all to a restaurant. We're going to treat you and your spouse to a restaurant of your choosing on the church. We want to honor you for, for the, how many years? 47 years. Come on, somebody. 47 years. So... Um, so we need to make sure. So find a go go buy guest services at the end. We want we want to take care of you and your spouse. So thanks so much for for being here. Forty seven years. Last service we had one for over sixty years. Yeah, come on. And so, man, it's just incredible to have some marriages in here. Uh, hopefully, if you are young, young in your marriage, that you looked at some of the hands that are going up, and you need to go ask them some questions. <laughs> and find out, what, what, man, what's the secrets? How is that? And, and I think, honestly, probably those that are in here that are that long in, in marriage would probably say some of the stuff that we're talking about is so crucial, that Christ is the center of that marriage, and then that we are going to be a covenant-keeping people that we're going to walk in covenant and uh, this doesn't just apply in marriage this applies in all relationships that we walk in covenant with one another and i'll describe what that is in just a minute but let's go to let's go to the bible let's go to the word anybody love the bible come on any bible loving people in here okay let's go to let's go to mark chapter 10 and this is actually red letters this is jesus's words when he talks about the idea of marriage how many know if we want to find out about marriage it's good to find out from the man the man, Jesus. And uh, this is what he says. But from the beginning, God created male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his parents and be wedded to his wife. And the husband and wife will be joined as one flesh. And after that, they, watch this, no longer exist as what? As two. It no longer exist as two, but? One flesh. One flesh. And then he says, I'll, this is what it says. So there you have it. What God has Join together. Come on, how many of you heard this at a wedding before? What God has joined together, let no man separate. Uh, NLT says, no one has the right to split it apart. No one has the right to split it apart. What God joins together, what God brings together, two becoming one. Let no one split this apart. So here's here's your first notes. I want you to write this down. And and if you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. Um, that, that what God wants to unite, the devil wants to divide. Come on, how many know what God wants to unite, the devil wants to divide? God so loves the church. He, he loves a united church. And, and the enemy is after dividing the church. He he loves families. And how many know our enemy is after families? When you get an abortion bill passed, how many know you got an enemy that doesn't want families to be united? Y'all with me? And so God is is so after us being united, united as a church, united as families, united in marriages, and everything in hell is going to come against that happening. Everything in hell is coming against the fusion. When God takes two and puts them as one, the enemy, is, is his sole target is to steal, to kill, to destroy, to divide. That's what he wants to do. And so today, the message today is really about this idea of how do we have covenant-keeping relationships that don't get divided by, by the enemy. Now, if you don't believe me, in the US, the statistic of a first marriage is that they have a 50-50% chance of making it. 50% that when someone gets married for the first time, one out of two, that they're gonna make it the long haul or not. If, if they get a first, if they get a divorce and they go into a second marriage, the divorce rate actually goes higher. It goes to 60% for a second marriage. And then if they get divorced from a second and go to a third, it goes even another step higher and it goes to 73% of third marriages will fail. And so, listen, I understand the, the enormity of what I'm talking about today. And, and let me show you. I know, I know this affects all of us. How many of you in here have either had to walk through a divorce your parents got a divorce, or someone really close to you was divorced in your immediate family, raise your hand, raise your hand. Look around, look at this. This is almost over 95% of the room that we're here. So, I understand that. And so, I, I want you to hear me very closely when I talk about covenant keeping. Think about, all of us are in a room with people who have had that broken, who have, who have experienced the pain of that, come on. How many know that's it's painful? Who has who experienced? Uh, whether that's whether that's your parents um, got a divorce, like mine did, or, or whether that's you've been through a divorce and now you're in, a, in another relationship or another marriage. We we've we've probably most of us have all been in this situation where divorce has been a part of our family in some way. But I'm here to tell you the message today is not meant to be condemning in any way. This message, if anything, is to encourage us, challenge us to have covenant-keeping relationships. And listen, if you've had a divorce, this is what I love about God. He forgets the past. He says, let's move on forward. Let's move forward. And so listen, today's message by no means is for you to feel like, oh man, I did it all wrong and all that stuff. Listen, the past is the past. I'm glad God doesn't hold it against us, so we're not either. Let's move forward. Come on, let's have some life-giving, God-honoring, covenant-keeping relationships in this house. And so uh, let's talk about this idea of covenant-keeping. And and, and the first thing we've got to really tackle is this uh, concept of marriage. Now marriage is a covenant, it's not a contract. And let me explain the two, because they're very different. So if if you're taking some notes, I want you to write this down. A contract is this. A contract is when we protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. A contract is really based on mutual distrust. A contract is, I don't believe that you're a person of your word. So I'm going to have you sign this contract, because I don't know you well enough to know if you're actually going to keep it. So, I mean, think about this. If you, uh, if you in here have rented a home, or maybe you are a renter and you, you rent out homes or whatever else, you have to sign a rental agreement to move into that, to that house. And, and that rental agreement is this. Here's the rental agreement. You don't pay, you don't stay. True. I mean, come on, is that not true? They they, they do rental homes as well. You don't pay, you don't stay. And so we have to sign a contract that says, I don't know if you really are going to do what you say you're going to do. So just in case if you don't do it, the sheriff's department will be knocking on your door. There's legal bound here that if you don't uphold your end of the bargain, I can get out and I can press charges against you. And people have taken that exact same thing and brought it into marriage. We live in a day and age where marriage is treated a lot like that contractually. Let me, let me even show you this. I, I read a, um, an article years back about this. Um, Mexico was looking to do a two-year marriage contract. Mexico was looking into this. Where if you got married, the, your marriage license was good for two years... And at the end of two years, if you did not want to stay married, you could get out. It was almost like a hunting license. I mean, literally, that's what it was like. It's like an all-time hunting and fishing license, you know I mean? It was a two-year, they were looking into instilling this in the government of Mexico where they would go two years. At the end of two years, if you didn't want to be married, you were out. You were done. And if if it was going well, you had to go reapply for another two-year marriage certificate. Can you imagine that? You know, the end of two years, you'd be like, oh, mi amiga, we no good, (laughs) you know, so, no bueno, (laughs) that's my people. And so, (laughs) so think about this, that, that, that the Mexican government says, we see that marriages are not working. So we're going to go ahead and institute the ability for you to get out a lot easier. Think about that, that we have, we're in a society now, now it didn't pass. Didn't pass, they didn't, they didn't institute it. But to think that a government was actually thinking about that. Like, hey, we're gonna get, in two years, we'll give you an out. Because we know it's probably not gonna make it anyways. So we're gonna go ahead and give you an out now. This is totally against the way God's designed relationships. God has designed relationships to be covenant keeping. So if, if a contract is we protect our rights and limit our responsibilities, what's covenant? You ready? Covenant is we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. We give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. So what I wanna do today is I wanna share with you two things that we need to give up and three things we need to pick up. What are, if we're gonna have covenant-keeping relationships, what are the things that we've gotta give up that when we we go to that wedding day and we say I do and all the vows that we exchange, what are we really saying And then what is it that we have to pick up? And can I tell you this? All of hell is against me preaching this message today. All of hell is against this message going forward. No one likes to talk about these things. Uh, We've actually seen this even play out. We Come on, did our worship team do phenomenal? They did an incredible job today. They did awesome. Uh, You did not know our production team and our worship team had five people that were missing today because of sickness because of a blown tire, because of different things that are going on. And we were talking earlier and he said, man, it's like all hell broke loose. TVs didn't work. Computers didn't work. I said, yeah, because if you know what I'm preaching today, you'll know why it's not working. Because all of hell is against this message going forth, which is that if we're going to have relationships, we can't treat it just as common. We need to treat them with some honor. We need to give our best into them. So what are two things that we need to give up? Let me give you the first one. You want to write this down. The first one is priority. For covenant marriage to work, we've got to make it a priority. And, and when I talk about giving up priorities, I'm meaning giving up the priority of yourself. I, I tell people a lot of times right before I'm about to do their wedding, do you know a wedding is a funeral? Like, do you know, like when you say I do, you're dying? Like you dead. You did. Like, it's just the way it is. Like, two have become one. There's one person now. Somebody's dying. Both of y'all. <laughs> Both of y'all dying. And, 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 and that is the truth that if you want to have a covenant-keeping marriage, you've got to make the, the other one the, now the priority. Now, we talked about this last week. Yes, God is our number one. God is our priority, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. He is, he is first and foremost. I, I seek the one. I, I, and I also have my two, but my wife is right there. She's right there. My, my spouse is right there. It's, and, and I'm going to tell you, a, a lot of, I think a lot of marriages don't work, not because of bad things. I think they put the good things in the wrong order. So what I mean by that is we got great things in our lives, but they're in the wrong order. So it's okay. You should work. And yes, you need to make money, and you need to provide for your family. And Yes, I'm glad that you have kids, and you should love your kids well. They just shouldn't be above your spouse, okay? They can't be above. Your your world can't be centered around them first. It's got to be God, then it's got to be my spouse. And and, and you can't put your work above your spouse. There's nothing that is supposed to take that place after your relationship with God, then it should be your spouse. Your spouse has priority now. And you've got to ask yourself, man, does my spouse have that in priority? And, and so um, I usually will ask guys that are having issues in relationships, I'll ask them, when's the last time you went on a date? Like just a date, like when's the last time you took your wife out? And it's funny because they're always like, Whoa. and I go, okay, when you were dating your wife, how often did you go on a date with your wife? He's like, oh, all the time. We were always going. Out. I said, well, what you did to get her is what you need to do to keep her. So if you were wooing her then, why did the woo stop? Keep the woo going. Keep wooing. Keep pursuing. Keep putting that in. Butt. And because here's the truth. If you don't date your spouse, the devil will, some, will send somebody who will. Smoke that. Is that not the truth? That if you ain't wooing your, your, your girl, he'll send somebody who will woo her. He'll send somebody in that place that you used to do that now he puts in. So priority is such a huge thing. And in order for our relationship and our marriages work, we have to give priority. But also this works, of course, in our relationship with God. That God will not take any other place than first place. So let's look back at this verse. Matthew 6.33. We're going to seek what? Come on, say it again. Seek. Seek first. The kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. Seek first and all these other things will take place. Listen, if God's on your list but he's not in first place, he's not on your list. He only takes first place. He is a jealous God. And how many know he's the only one who deserves to be on the first? He he is the first place and so he is the priority of our life. And the reason why Jesus can ask you to put him first, watch this. The only reason Jesus can ask you to seek him first is because he puts you first, first. Uh, I'll say that again. The only reason Jesus can tell you to put him first is because he puts you first, first. You were the first on his heart. He came and lived a life for you first. He, of course, put his father's will above anything else. But how many know his father's heart was for you? And so when Jesus says, hey, put me first, he's not telling you to do something that he didn't do himself. So put him first. Priority is one in our relationships. Let me give you the second thing we gotta give up is ownership. Ownership. Marriage is not 50-50. Divorce is 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. And I'll often do this whenever I do. I, perform, I performed a wedding yesterday and I, did, I said this line you know, and we've said this, this is kind of our pastor's thing of, I tell the guy, listen, what is yours is hers, and what is hers is hers. <laughs> is that not the truth? Come on, man, that's, that's, yeah. It, it's not, but we, we joke about it, that really it's, it's us giving up ownership, that we're giving up things for the other people. What was mine, 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 mine is now ours, 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 so I, I, this is, we, get, we give that up. We give it up when we walk into this place of ownership where we're giving up our things for our wife, for our spouse, and they're doing the same for us. Let me show you what this looks like scripturally. Watch this. <clears throat> it says it, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 4, the wife's body, now watch this, does not what? Oh. Belong to her alone, but it also to her husband. I love this verse. <laughs> But watch this. In the same way, the husband's body doesn't belong to him. It belongs to her too. I still love this verse. (laughs) (laughs) Baby, I'm just just giving myself to you. It's all yours. Um, Here's the secret. Watch. Here's the secret to this principle though. The secret to this principle is not what you demand, but what you give away. It's not what you demand. It's what you give away. Selfish people can't be in covenant. I'll say that again. Selfish people can't be in covenant. Come on. Selfish people can't be in covenant. You have to be unselfish to one another. I give my preferences to my wife. My wife gives her, uh, lays down her preferences for me. We we give different things to each other, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially. We don't have separate accounts. We have one account. Yeah. It's ours. Yeah. We're in this thing together. Okay, we don't do divided things. We don't have divided beds. It's not, it's not Lucy and Ricardo, okay? This isn't got the same bed. You know, if it doesn't go well, we're in the same bed. I'll be a Grand Canyon in between us, but we're in the same bed, same house. We share it all. It's ours together. Anytime you try to do a 50-50 thing, come on, you just practicing divorce. You're just getting ready for a divorce thing. We in this thing together. So those are the things we got to give up. But what are the things that we've got to pick up? Because we, we not only need to give away our rights, but we need to pick up our responsibilities. You want to be covenant keeping? You want to have a long-term, long-lasting, love-filled relationship? Let me, let me give you some things. Number one is you've got to love unconditionally. You've got to love unconditionally. I love what Hebrews chapter 5 says. This is what Paul tells us. Husbands, you may want to pay attention to this. So he says this, husbands, go all out in your love for LSU, for the saints, for whatever, for your favorite hobby, for whatever. No, no, no. See, God knows you're going to go out in your love for something. He's just got to direct you there. Husbands, I know, don't go all out in your love for your work. Don't go all out in your love for your hobbies or your sports. No, listen, go all out in your love for your wife. Yes. Exactly as Christ did. I love this because he, he gives us the model. Christ modeled this for the church. This was the model. A loved marked by? Give. Say that word. Give. Giving, not? Give. Not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. And his words evoke her beauty. Next verse, it says this. Put the next verse up there for me. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white, silk radiant with holiness. And then he goes on and he finishes it. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. I love this because he doesn't say, this is how you feel love. He says, this is how you do love. Notice he does nothing in here about how you feel it. Just not feeling that loving feeling. Well, forget your feelings. Do love. If you maybe do love, you might get that love and feeling back. Do the love. Go all out in your love. Not self-centered love, not, not getting love, but giving love. That, that your words are love, that your actions are love. What you do, what you say, husband, this is how you love your wives. And now watch this. And then he says, they're really, guys, we're really doing ourselves a what? A favor. Y'all ever heard this? Happy wife. Oh, oh y'all know that? This is what he's saying, listen, if you will love your spouse this way, you're going to do yourself a favor, like it's going to be good for you, and and, and since they're already one in marriage. See, you got to have emotion to fall in love, but you've got to have motion to stay in love. See, emotion can get us into love, but motion is what keeps us in love. You've got to not just feel it. You've got to do it. And how I many you know? Real love, true love, love that love is unconditionally. Love doesn't give the person what they deserve. It gives the person what they need. True. Listen. It's easy to love somebody who woke up that morning and brought you coffee in bed, and oh baby, you so awesome, you so sweet. I love you, mom. You know all that is. easy. It's easy to love that person. Wake up the next morning and they're like, "Where's my socks?" Where are my shoes? Where are my keys? Okay, now, how I many know oh, that's when love really has to start playing a role? It's easy to love the person that is lovable. How I many know oh, it's hard to love the person that's not? But true love is given not when they deserve it, but when they need it. And Christ says, I have demonstrated this love for you. So, you know, when, I, when I'll do a, um, a wedding ceremony, We do premarital counseling. So anybody in our our church, if you want any of our pastors to marry you, you will have to go through four weeks of premarital counseling with us. We require it. Because if we're going to put a blessing on it, we want to make sure that that we have gone through the process with you to make sure that you're prepared for forever. Forever. So I think four weeks is good enough to help us. And so I'll usually say something like this. Okay, so we're going to do... When we get to the wedding ceremony, we're going to say things like for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. And then I'll say this, is there anything else I need to add to this? Like, should I also add like, and when you forget my anniversary or when you wake up and you're mad at me or when you don't take me out on dates like you used to? Like, is there something, or when, I've, when I have finally lost that love and feeling, like, is there other things that we need to add to this before we say, till death do us part? Like, can we go ahead and put that, those caveats in here now? So that way we can let everybody know, hey, if you see this going on, they've already, they've already settled this, that, well, until I get that loving feeling and that's gone, then, then I have. But till death do us part, that means like, hey, we're in this to the end or, or I kill you, either one. One of those two is gonna happen, right? And so this is where we are and the idea of love is that on your spouse's worst day, this is when they need your love the most. Amen. Yes, but because it's so self-centered, we think that love is only based off of what they give to me. But how many know love is not marked by what you get? It's marked by what you Give. And the reason why we can do this, by the way, is because this is what Jesus did for you Amen. and for me. Romans chapter 5, watch, it says it this way. But God demonstrates his own what? His own love for, for who? For you, for me. He demonstrated his love. Notice, he didn't feel love. He demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. I love this because God gave you love when you did not deserve it. God gave me love when I was the furthest from it. God gave me love when I was at my worst point. God demonstrated his love for me in that moment. And how many know, when your marriage, when your relationships get at the worst, when they hurt you, anybody been hurt by a relationship in here? When they hurt you, it's in that moment that Christ says, this is when I demonstrated my love. Because sometimes keeping your covenant is not convenient. Right. I'll say that again. Sometimes keeping your covenant is not convenient. It's not con- How many know the cross was not convenient? The thorns on the head was not convenient. The dripping of blood because he was in such anguish and intensity was not convenient. The, the stripes on the back was not convenient. But this is what he says. I love you so much. I am in covenant with you. I'll do anything to keep you. This, is, this, this love that was demonstrated to us, God says, okay, now that same love, husbands, go all out in that love. Wives, go all out in that love. So loving unconditionally. Let me give you the second one. Honoring respectfully honor respectfully now honor is this idea of putting value on something you honor it you honor it for the value that it has now in the belt home come here judah bring those up to me in the belt home this is thank you man good job y'all give it up for judah he's amazing you're awesome dude so in the belt home there's cajun china and there's fine china. So in the Belt Home, this is pretty much our daily. <laughs> Anybody with me? Come on, right here. So, hey, baby, I got dishes for you. I'm joking. So <laughs> this is common. We, we you know, there, there's nothing careful with this. We, we throw our food on it, and then we throw it in the trash. And, you know, if you, hey, if you spilled or did something, go grab another one, it's no big deal. This is not in a in a cabinet being displayed with a light on it. Look at this. Look at that decor. It's so amazing. I know. It's so awesome. Where'd you get that? Walmart? Yep. Okay. We, don't, we treat it like that. It, it is what it is because of the value that it holds. This one I got out of our China cabinet. It's, it's in a cabinet. It's got a nice little light on it. It's displaying it. My wife is freaking out as I'm holding it right now. So this is... This here has way more value than this here. This here, we wash it differently than this one. This here, you got to be real special in our house to have food served on this one in front of you. You will probably get this <laughs> the most part. Okay. This one here, though, is pulled out only for the, the most rarest of occasions. And we all probably have something that's similar to this. The problem is our culture treats marriage and relationships like this one and not like this one. We throw it away when we're done with it instead of washing it, putting it back on display and creating the honor that it deserves for us. And if we would treat marriage more like this instead of like this, how many of you know our world would be different? Our world would be different. We wake up with gratitude, thankfulness for this. This, eh, whatever. Whatever. And we've got to switch our mindset. It's honor. We give honor. We place value on things that matter. We place honor on things that that mean something to us. Never lose the honor. The Bible would even put it this way. 1 Peter chapter 3. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. For they were, what's that word? (laughs) Some of y'all are like, I can't even say it. I ain't even saying it. Mm Mm-mm. It's like the S word that's saying it. Submissive to their own husbands. Watch, here's a demonstration. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, watch, and called him her master. I put this verse up in our bathroom. I just plastered it there. I told her she didn't have to call me master. I prefer Lord. Um. So. Just kidding. Just kidding. Go back to that other one real quick. Go back to the other one. King. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, any of those words. This is what he's saying, actually, okay? So some of us, all the women here are like, what? Like, it's rising up. I see it. It's rising up inside of you. Are you serious? Is, is OSC creating this culture? You know, Master Stephen, come forward. No, I mean, am like, not doing any of that. This is what's happening. This is what I believe is actually happening in this verse Now, if you know anything about Abraham, Abraham would not have won husband of the year award. Y'all know about Abraham? Like Abraham lied twice about his wife, that it was not his wife. He gave his wife away to another man. Not once, twice. Once, I would have been done. She gave him two strikes. Two times he gave his wife away. Not husband of the year material by any way. And yet, think about this. Sarah submitted herself to a man who did not treat her with honor and respect that she deserved, even to the point of calling her master. This is calling him master. This is what I think is actually happening. Is Sarah speaking something over Abraham that he is not, but that God has called him to be? She is not pointing out his deficiencies and his deficits and the weaknesses. She's pointing out, you are a man of God. You are a master. God has called you to this place of here. And so I'm just saying, what would it be like if women, instead of would we'll keep pointing out what the man's not doing, would call out the things that God has in him for him to do? Yes. That God is putting us in this place. You, wanna, you want him to lead like a man of God? Honor him where you want him to be. I, I, and so I, I wrote it down this way. Whether it's work, sports, or home, men gravitate to where they get the most honor and respect. Let me say that again. Whether it's work, sports, or home, men gravitate to the place they feel most honored and respected. So if they feel more honored at work than they do at home, don't be surprised if they want to spend more time at work than at home. That we honor those Now you say, well, Pastor Josh, I would honor him if he was honorable. (laughs) I understand that to a degree, but maybe you should call things not as they are, but as you want them to be. And then as we talked about last week, praying, praying with and praying for, but don't worry. He doesn't let the men get off the hook because the next verse he goes to the men and he says this to the men. Hey guys, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Now watch this. And now he takes it to another level. And this, he didn't put this on the women. He put this on the men. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So notice, he didn't say like if the women were disrespectful, God wouldn't hear their prayers. He said if the men are, God won't hear theirs. Because God puts a, a weight and a responsibility on us as men. That is even higher than women to a degree. Because God has called us as men to be the lead. Not in a dictatorship, but in leadership. Not in a way that treats someone less than. Because in here he talks about treating them as equal and as partners. and This is what we do. But that as men, that we were... Hey, when Adam and Eve sinned, who sinned first? Eve. Yeah, Eve. The Bible says though that Adam was by her. Adam did it as well. But watch this. When God walks into the garden, who does he call? Adam. He walks in. He says, hey, Adam, where are you at? Adam be like, why didn't you call Eve? I mean, she's the one that got us into this. Dear goodness. Why is it always my fault? Because God puts a responsibility on the man to pastor his wife. You might not be the pastor of this church, but you are the pastor of your home. And God has called us as men. This is why we're so passionate, by the way, for men in our church to rise up and take their place, not in a domineering and dictatorial way, but actually in the the model of love. Men should be the model of love. Men should set the tone. Men should set the direction. Men should say, this is how you love. And we model that to our wives. We model that to our children. We model that around us. But how many know we got a broken model system that's going on right now? Have you watched any TV shows right now where the father is in the TV show? He looks like a buffoon, a bumbling buffoon. Most TV shows treat men fathers as bumbling buffoons. Is this not the case? Watch most of them. They're not men of leadership. They're not men of none of that. And the only thing that they do actually talk well about in men is men who aren't even married that can get another woman in a bed. Have you ever noticed there's no TV shows where it's two married people in a bed? It's always two unmarried people in a bed. Like we live in a society that celebrates the exact opposite of what God has called us to celebrate, that men should take the role. And how many know if men would be godly men, women would have no problem submitting to that. Which actually leads to the next part, the third part is that there is that we submit mutually. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, submit. Now watch this to one another. So it's not a woman just submitting to a man, it's no, we're submitting to one another because of our reverence for Christ. How many of you in here, real quick, by a show of hands, how many of you in here just kind of have a, a dominant personality, like you can make decisions, like you're just kind of a leader in that time? Raise your hands, okay, raise your hands, okay. All right, how many of you are, are a little bit more passive? You're fine with following, as long as you got someone that's, that's leading well, like you're, you're kind of a passive follower, okay. Raise your hand, okay, if you had to ask somebody, you're passive, okay, so am am I passive, am I, yes, you're passive, okay all right if you raise somebody's hand you're dominant okay yes she is okay so that's now we're there all right we're there we're there (laughs) so in in our marriage i am i'm more dominant on the disc test i i score a d as my highest one which is a dominant one and of course there's a lot of weaknesses that come with that um but i i can make decisions like I, I always want to, like, let's go. Let's make some decisions. Let's figure this thing out. Lindsay's the passive one a little bit more in ours. She's processing. She's internally thinking through things. She's empathetic. You know, I'll make a decision and not even think about it. She's like, mm, let's, really, let's ponder this. Let's think about this. Let's think about the ramifications of this. Like, I don't even think about that. I'm, I've already made the decision and moved on. So we're, we're the opposites in that way, which is Great but she submits to me when there's decisions that need to be made and we walk through those things together and then I submit to her and not only her empathy, but she has an incredible ability to be discerning. Like I'll be around people and she'd be like, ooh, something's up there. And I'd be like, oh no, babe, he's all good. And she's like, mm-mm, I'm telling you. I'm like, babe, he's, you know, I'm trying to believe the best. No, they're gonna be good. And then like weeks or months down the road, something blows up in my face and she's like, mm-hmm. I told you, I just didn't feel good about that person. Any husbands that your wife ever said that to you, like, I just okay, listen to them. Cause they probably have some kind of discerning thing there. Like, mm, be careful about that. And so we mutually submit to one another. So I, I really usually don't make a decision without throwing it by her. Hey, what do you think on this? And usually it's the same way. And it's not, it's not because I can't make a decision. It's not because she, she can or can't either. It's that we want to mutually submit to one another. This happens in my relationship with Pastor Bubba. This happens in my friendships. That we just appeal to one another. We, we, we submit to one another mutually. We honor one another's positions in our lives. Hey, man, I just wanted some feedback on this. this is, I'm thinking about making this decision. Man, what do you think? Like, it, that's a way that we submit and honor and respect. And if you want to have covenant relationships, realize that submission is not something you demand. It's something you give. Submission is not something you demand. You don't say, woman, submit. If you have to do that, she shouldn't submit to you. Like, submission is something you voluntarily want to do. You want want to submit yourself underneath someone who's got your best in mind, who wants to take you somewhere. Now, let me bring us back full circle. We're going to end this. At the very beginning, we looked at Mark chapter 10 And we looked at the story of what Jesus said about marriage. He said in the beginning, this is how marriage was, man and a woman left, and they became one. I want to show you what brought up that conversation. So I want us to go back to this verse, but I want us to go a couple verses before this, and I want to show you how this played out. Watch this. So in verse two, it says, at one point, some of the Pharisees came seeking to entrap Jesus with a question. How many know people like that? Like, they're asking you questions, but they're not asking you questions because they want an answer. They're asking you questions because they want to see if your answer agrees with their answer. This is what's going on in this situation. The Pharisees aren't going to him to go like, hey, give us some wisdom on this. What do we do? They're going, okay, hey, tell us about, now watch. They're trying to see if they can get some agreement from Jesus. Hey, tell us, is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Thinking, okay, we're going to get him on this one. And he answers them, well, what did, what did Moses command you? Because he knows that Jewish people have high, high regards for Moses and what he said. And it says, the next verse, it says this. They replied, Moses permitted us to write a certificate of separation that would be valid to complete a divorce. So, so back in these days, you got to realize, back in, in, in Moses' days, there was a certificate that could be written off that, hey, if you didn't feel like they were meeting up to your requirements, you could just divorce it. It was, it was actually a lot easier in the Old Testament. She didn't cook well, divorce that. <laughs> Literally, it was that easy. It was simple. She wasn't meeting your needs, divorce. She wasn't, divorce. Like you could write a certificate of divorce. But Jesus takes it another step further. And Jesus says, yes, Moses wrote this exception for you. But here's really why it was, is because you were, you were hard-hearted. The reason why he actually had to put this into play was because somewhere in the relationship, someone got a hard heart. It might have been the person that left. It might have been the person that's abusing. It might have been, I don't know who it was, but at some point there was hard, hard heartness. It might have been with one person. It might have been with both people. And Jesus is telling them here, yeah, 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 you can, you can get a divorce, but you need to check your heart. Because if we're not careful in relationships, can, can, can we all just be kind of transparent for a moment here? Relationships hurt. Like they're painful. The things that we've said, the things that we wish we wouldn't have said, the things that someone's done, the things we wish they wouldn't have done, the things we've done, there's pain. You wanna have life-giving, covenant-keeping relationships, you just need to realize that in order to have that, you're gonna walk through some pain. And Jesus is saying, you need to be careful because when pain comes, you're going to have the tendency to have a hardened heart. You're going to get to a place in your marriage where everything was was roses and everything was amazing. And what happens, how do we get to a place where we're, oh my God, I, I can't, forever, till, till death do us part, better or worse. And how do we get to a place where we say all that and we, we live in this, this, this world of, oh, it's amazing. And, and then years down the road, the only way that we wanna communicate with them is through an attorney. How do you get there? Like How do you get to that point? Where we spent all this money on this wedding and we made these vows in front of all these people and we made these commitments and then years down the road we say, I don't wanna have anything to do with you. 50-50, what's well, mine, mine, yours. It's because we get to this, we get to the hard heart. We get to a place where we've, we've been hardened. I'm asking you today to really ask the Lord, God, would you, would you help me have a soft heart in hard situations? God, help me to keep my heart soft. Now listen, I know there's extenuating circumstances. Abuse. Maybe an affair where someone just doesn't wanna be with you and they have no desire and and there's nothing you can do. I understand that in those situations, those are applicable. And in those moments, I would say yes, their heart is so hardened from you. I understand, yes, let's, we need to separate, we need to uh, go different ways but can I ask you today where's your heart where's your heart I never want to get to a place in our marriage over the course of time where my heart gets hardened towards this woman where my heart gets hardened towards relationships and and Jesus is warning us hey just be careful hey you know why why marriages are 50% the first one 60 the second one and 73 the third one It's because you've developed a hard heart. Hardness of heart. And I think it's okay for us to admit, like, yes, I was hurt. I think you need to grieve through that. I think you need to heal through that. I think, I think God's got to do some work in that. But we need to be careful that God, would you help me to have a heart, a soft heart in the face of hard situations? So I'm going to end today with this last line. And that is that your marriage is not measured by your feelings, your marriage is measured by your commitment. I love what Timothy Keller, incredible author and pastor, he said this, you don't fall into love, you commit to it. You don't fall into it, you commit to it. And I can promise you, there are gonna be some times where you don't feel like it. Let's just do a quick honest poll in here. How many of you have woken up and every day you felt like going to work? Exactly. How many of you woke up every day and you felt like serving your kids? Exactly. You know what you did? You got over your feelings and you still went to work. You got over your feelings and you still served your kids. You got over your So for us to say, I don't feel like it anymore. Hey, can I tell you something? Get over it. Since when do we let our feelings dictate our lives? We make the commitment and I believe your feelings will follow your commitment. And so today, if you're on the, on the cusp of, man, I don't know what we're going to do with our marriage. I pray, if anything, I hope, this merit, I hope this message has encouraged you to keep fighting. And if, you, if you've had a failed one, I hope this, marriage, uh, this message encourages you to say, hey, we're going all in. We're going to be covenant-keeping, Christ-centered relationships. Father, today, in this moment, God, we, we invite you to come and investigate our hearts. God, maybe our hearts are not hardened because of something major. Maybe it's been small things. Small little offenses. Small little things that have been overlooked that, honestly, we're, we're not realizing that that's created some hardness. God, today, I... I want to invite you to come and to soften the hearts of your people. God, we invite you to come do heart work in us. Lord, we want to be Christ-centered, covenant-keeping men and women of God. But God, we know we can't do this relationship without you. We can't love unconditionally without you. We can't honor respectfully without you. We can't mutually submit without you. We need you. So today, God, I invite you to come. Lord, you're welcome here. Come strengthen our marriages. Lord, we admit our our faults, failures, our weaknesses, our sins. and God, we thank you that you not only forgive them, but by your grace you come and you empower us to do the things we can't do on our own with your heads bowed, you know. I didn't just share with you the secret to a great marriage. I also share with you how Christianity works. See, because Christianity is also us giving up priority. It's also us giving up ownership. It's us putting Jesus first. It's also the display of what God took up for you that he has loved you unconditionally that he has honored and respected you. He's spoken things over you that maybe you didn't even see of yourself. Christ submitted himself to his Father and laid down his life for you. And today you have the opportunity to do that. If you're here in this room, you say, Pastor Josh, I have never submitted my life to Christ. Now notice I didn't say gone to church or maybe gotten baptized or taken in communion. Or none of that makes us right with God. It's a submission, a posture of our heart, that we submit our hearts. We put him first and foremost. If you're here in this room, the Bible would call that being born again. And we surrender our lives to him. If you're here in this room and you've never done that, today I want to pray for you. I want you to walk out this place and have the most important relationship first and foremost, and that's with Jesus. If you're here on the count of three and say, Pastor Josh, and I want to surrender and submit my life to him, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. That's you, going up all across this room. Thank you, thank you. One, two. Three Come on. Anybody else in this room? That's awesome. Now would you just pray this with me and we're going to pray this together? Say, "Dear Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming and living the life that I couldn't live. You died, took my shame, my guilt and my sins. and you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Take my life. It's all yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, OSC family. Let's celebrate with those three who raised their hand today. Powerful. If you raise your hand today and let us know, tell somebody. Fill out that connect card at the bottom. There's a place for you to write, hey, today I committed my life to Christ. Please let us know. We want to celebrate that with you, help journey with you through these next steps. Hey, at this time, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings if you want to go ahead and, and get ready to, to give today. You'll see on the screen three different ways that you can give. Now, talking about honoring God and putting God first, one of the scriptures is, is that we would honor God in our finances. Proverbs tells us to honor the Lord with our giving. And so today, I just wanna encourage you just to honor God today in your giving. Ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? And whatever God says, that you would be obedient to his word, and uh, you'll see different ways that you can give online. I wanna thank you so much for your generosity. Hey, uh, we did open up the doors to our new kids' building. Um, Come on, the hallway's open, it's ready, it's there. Wanna celebrate that? So hey, listen, on your way out, go swing by. Go walk through the building. Go into all the rooms. You can do it right now while there's no kids. Security's not yet there, so do it while you can and go check it out and check out all those rooms that we have. Pray over it. Pray over those walls. And uh, I just want you to see what your generosity is doing and has done. Our goal is hopefully the first week of April we'll be moved in. Um, so that's the current game plan right before Easter. Hopefully that's the goal. It's the goal for us. So. Be praying for us as we do that. And then every time you're giving to Legacy, I just want you to know that's continually going to not only finish this building, um, but it's also going to parking. Come on, how many know we need more parking desperately right now? And so, um, so every time you're giving to Legacy, that's helping us. We're Hopefully we'll get a new parking lot in the coming months. We're waiting for weather to help us with this, but we are going to be increasing that. So thanks so much for your giving in that area. We so appreciate that. But let me pray your blessing over here and we'll get you out of here. Father, we love you. God, thank you so much for the incredible blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Today, we honor you in this. We honor you with our generosity. You were first generous to us. And so today we get to model that and we get to give back to your kingdom and all that you're doing. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people, not so that they can just have more, but so that they can be a greater blessing to those around them. We pray this today in Jesus' name.